2: PlushCare.com weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk, and Cavan. We want you to challenge us for the best deal on a new Renault or Dacia in 2020. You can now inquire at BlackstoneMotors.ie.
3: Welcome to Thursday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Well, if I say to you today, we'll sort out your reading for you for the next while and have a nice glass of wine to go beside it. I think that ain't bad to say when you begin a show, but today on Late Lunch, that's exactly what we're going to do. And more besides, because joining us a little later on is the virtuoso of Vino Rick Cronje with his recommendations, first of the new year. But first on the show today, she's back. God, it's ages since I've seen you.
0: I know, it's years, jeepers. <laughs> <laughs> I should just move in, really. <laughs> I think so, <laughs> at
3: this stage. Did you recover from all the mind games with Keith? My Keith, Keith
0: Barry, oh. oh my God. And the kids were listening back to it and they loved the, the flamingo picture. Oh, stop, it was great fun. You'll
3: treasure that. You'll have to get it framed, framed. And, and keep yeah. it for posterity. Margaret Madden is with us. It is Book Club Thursday on late launch and in a moment she's going to tell you what her book of the month is. But she is more great recommendations besides and we have five beautiful books in a pack here to give away to one of you and I'll give you the question shortly on that one. Okay so let's begin 2020 with your first book of the year for the month of January which is?
0: It is Three Hours by Rosamond Lupton.
3: Why this book? What, what 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 has really rocketed this book to the top of your list for this first month?
0: Well I got um, an early copy of it there before Christmas and, and delved into it over the Christmas period and literally read in one sitting. I did not move from the spot I was in. I sent, I I briefly stopped actually to send a WhatsApp downstairs to my children to say, you can make your own dinner. I'm, no way I'm putting this down. Really? Yeah, yeah. So this is fascinating. Um, It's a thriller as such, but with such a story. Um, It's set in rural Somerset in a school that is under siege um, being held by a gunman, an unidentified gunman. And You have the snow is coming down, the atmosphere is icy and tense anyway. Um, But you get from all different sides of stories. So you're getting from children who are are barricaded into the school library with um, an injured headmaster who's been shot. One student has literally has her hands on his chest trying to keep him alive. Um, They're trying to get internet connection to the outside world to let them know what's going on. Um, Then you have... Over the other side of the school, it's a, it's because it's rural. They have like a pottery shed down way down the other end, and the junior kids, that you know the your kind of junior infants, senior infants are are over there making stuff. No idea what's going on outside, but the teacher does, and she's getting them to make things to put on the windows so the gunman can't see in. This kind of thing, you know. So there's this tension. Then you have the seniors who are in the drama um, part of the building, which is completely locked in so they're technically safe they know what's going on it takes them a while to find out and then but they're performing Macbeth um what what the
3: how ironic
0: yeah so what the teacher does is gets them to continue on with the rehearsal so that they're not too stressed about what's going Mm. on outside it's very very clever really really well done
3: and also in the mix is a casualty of war-torn Syria. That's uh, correct. A, a young lad called yeah, Rafi Burkhani who's suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder anyway.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, for example, he's out walking, looking for his brother. He just wants to get to his brother. He's after getting him all the way from Syria mm. through horrendous times. And he, because he's younger, he's in a different part of the school. So even the little crackling of twigs, he's not sure whether they're snipers, gunshots, or or whether they're what's yeah. going on around him nature-wise. He's terrified. And, and the little boy is... Even more terrified. Who yeah. wants his brother because he's very small.
3: And in the mix here is Islamophobia. There are parents, you can imagine, you know, who mm-hmm. are hearing about this mm-hmm. and their children are in there.
0: Yeah, there's one mother in particular who's trying to get in contact with her son and she starts off with just text messages. Please ring me, ring me, ring me. But then she just, she, it's, the, it's, you know, getting into your car and driving to the school, but not being able to go past police barricades and not knowing what's going on with your child. Mm. Knowing there's a gunman on the loose. And, you know, it seems like a very far-fetched idea, but it can happen anywhere. It's not. This was rural Somerset. You know, yeah. it's, it's, I this know we happened. read a lot about it in the yeah. States, but it can happen anywhere. It can
3: happen anywhere. And brilliantly written. Uh, you know, it, 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 uh, like it, it's frightening, I have to say. It mm. is. And, and uh, something that has happened and, and will happen in the future, sad to say. But in the midst of all this, in the, in the terrifying situation that people are in, there's human togetherness, hope, mm, bonding, yeah. you know, all this type and of stuff. And
0: that despite the fact that the children are desperately trying to communicate with the outside world for that, for those three hours, which is it, it's done in time wise, you're kind of like a countdown. It's very, very, very good. Um, it, how they realize they start looking at each other. They realize that they need each other, yes. that your phone can't help you in this situation. Mm. Three
3: hours it is. And it's all about three hours in this seed scenario. It's written by Rosamond Lupton and it is Margaret Madden's Book of the Month on Late Lunch Book Club for the month of January. Definitely. Comes yeah. with a five star. She wouldn't even go down and make a cup of tea for herself. Never mind <laughs> look after the rest of my tome. What's happening down the stairs. That'll tell you how good this book is. You just got to get it. Now disclaimer,
0: it. my kids are old enough to cook for I themselves. <laughs> just in case anybody's really in social services. Listen, we have
3: do gooders <laughs> out there. You'll be hammered and social media so you can't say boo but there's the 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 keyboard brigade and they're on your back you know what I'm talking about anyway that's the book of the month on late lunch let's move on to your non-fiction and I have to say I bought this book for Miriam for Christmas because she is an avid reader and this book I bought it because I saw this lady on the Graham Norton show Mm, mm. and I didn't put I came in late to the interview and then I only realised hold on a minute this is the book that they were talking about there so it is your non-fiction book is
0: Lady in Waiting by Lady Anne Glen Connor.
3: And it is an extraordinary story mm. by animation.
0: Yeah, I mean I how did I come through I, it was through reviews that I came across it. I watched The Crown. Um, I didn't realise that who Anne Glenn Connor was while watching it, just that she was her lady in waiting and she was on this beautiful island. Yes. I didn't
3: And that was Princess Margaret's lady in waiting. She was all her life until she actually passed away. Yeah. yeah.
0: And they do you know what? They were just best friends that's mm. what comes out in this book um it's not all about her though as in princess margaret that's actually quite a small part of um anglyn connor's story it's it's her phenomenal life she's she's in her 80s now and mm. she, she's only now getting to voice what has happened to her and that royal circle you know the bizarre life they lead and how they literally abandon their children to be brought up by nannies and then that inevitably in some shape or form, is going to come back and haunt you, which it did for her case. She had um, three sons and two daughters. Um, The first son became addicted to um, heroin. And no matter all the money in the world and all the rehab in the world, they could not cure him Mm. of his addiction. Mm. Um, They tried cutting him off. They tried the opposite, offering him money to stop, a property, you know, everything no Uh, use an addiction addiction, no matter where you come from yeah Um, then you also had her other son I get confused because so many horrible things have happened to her she had another son then who got AIDS Um, and this is way back in the early 80s when it was such a taboo subject Uh, but she was very she was blessed by Princess Margaret really really helped her and um, then Princess Diana came on the scene too mm. you know so there was all around that time but, but no, but they were ostracized yeah. he died
3: he died as well so that's two yeah. sons she lost and the other thing is she had a third son
0: yeah she's the third son who was in a horrendous car crash oh, it was and was in a coma for months yeah. and months and months mm. and she refused to give up on it. she him. nursed him Literally nursed him and created this nursing kit, this coma kit that people should use with feathers and stimulating smells and everything. And and he woke up. He did. And he was
3: in the audience on the Graeme Norton show. There he was with the two daughters as well. And they were listening to their mother really talk. In a no-holds-barred fashion, oh, yeah. aspects of this book, I have to say. But the, here's the thing about this woman: she was the first-born child of the fifth Earl of Leicester, who controlled one of the largest estates in England. Mm. As a daughter, she was deemed a great disappointment and unable to to inherit because she was a girl.
0: Yeah, and that's still going on. Isn't that just shocking to contemplate? And there's a photograph of her, great photographs all the way through this book and of her at her christening when she's a baby Mm -hmm. and her father holding her and the look of misery on his face. She wasn't Mm a boy.
3: Why did she stay with her husband, Colin Tennant? He was Lord Glen Connor. Mm -hmm. 54 years and the most volatile marriage and this fella was just oh, he was a chancer oh, unfaithful, unfaithful, yeah. unfaithful right through his life.
0: Yeah. And not a great dad when they were kids at all. No, no. Nothing. And yet she stayed
3: I don't understand she but she loved anyway. him.
0: She Jerry she loved him. For all
3: his failings. But
0: she also took her own dalliances on the side after a while. She yeah. says I have to do you know, I have to look after myself. Uh, yeah. So they had a fairly open, open marriage, marriage after a while. Yeah. She she's no holds barred in the book she'll tell you all about it I mean at the night of her honeymoon as she talked about um, with um, she Graham was, Norton yes. she was brought to a sex club in, in yes. Paris and she was at this stage a virgin and a, she was looking forward to her wedding night but yet she was brought to like a, to a, a like it was a bit like a swingers club yes. and they were like do you want to join into her and she was like i um, Thank you very much for the offer. No. But no,
3: thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> and that bugger, uh, Colin Tennant, uh, mm. her husband, left his fortune to a former servant. That's what he did in the end that of the day. That shocked
0: her. Yes. That really, really shocked her. She was not expecting that.
3: She yeah. talks about as well the fear during uh, the IRA bombing campaign in London where yeah. when one of our sons went and posted a letter in a postbox that blew up.
0: Very shortly afterwards. Very shortly
3: afterwards. And she just thought that the child could have been killed. Yeah, and the
0: founding of the island of Mystique, you know, how they bought that. And and then they ended up having to gift a part of it to Princess Margaret because of a slip of the tongue. Absolutely.
3: And, you know, all the good, like I just see, like, and and this is, she was close to the Queen as well. She was at the coronation. She had to be, you know. Her mother
0: was the Queen's lady in waiting yes yeah.
3: and, and, and when you mention mustique that island in the caribbean it became a safe haven not just for margaret in in our time and she had a, a substantial property out there Mick Jagger David Bowie Raquel Welsh major politicians you name it
0: listen it was the original love island it with was. drugs rock and roll drink you know and all away from the paparazzi which is
3: I have to say, uh, we have the book at home and I'm dying when I get my turn to read it. Yeah, it's great. You recommend it highly. It's Lady in Waiting, My Extraordinary Life in the Shadow of the Crown by Anne Glenn Connor Now, we're just heading to a short break and Margaret wants to talk to you about a few more books before she leaves us today. We have a lovely gift pack. It is, isn't it, Margaret? I see Cathy Kelly in there, Claire Allen, who was with us yesterday. We're going to talk about that book in a moment. Uh, We also have Michael Harding's brilliant book, Chest Pain. There's five books in total in the pack. Would you like them? Here is my question today. Margaret's book of the month for the month of January on Book Club is Three Hours by Rosalind Lupton. How many seconds are there in three hours? That's what I want to know. Answers, please, to 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. And we'll pick a winner before the end of the show. More books from Margaret in a moment. And just better clarify, I'm looking for, for the book pack on Book Club today, I want to know how many seconds are there in three hours? Not minutes. Not minutes. You know know how many minutes is in three hours. How many seconds are in three hours? That is the question, just to clarify. Now, a lot of you have got that, but others may not have been listening carefully. How many seconds in three hours for the book pack? Number, please. That number, what is it? With your name and details. 086 1800 658. Now, let's move on, Margaret. You're picking fiction this month and we're back in Primrose Square.
0: Yeah, it's Claudia Carroll, the women of Primrose Square. Um, I spoke last year about the secrets of Primrose Square. Well, this is, you know, I wouldn't call it a sequel because you don't actually have to have read the first one at all. But we're back in that location, which is a kind of a a lovely uh, area in Dublin with a kind of a park in the middle and beautiful old houses, three storey. You know, that you wouldn't even know is there. These places exist, yeah. you know. So we're back there in that square, but we have new characters. So we have Frank at Woods. It opens up with this where it's his 50th birthday party and he doesn't think anybody is coming. Everybody has an excuse and, oh, sorry, I can't make it. There's a match on or I'm away golfing that weekend. Blah, blah, blah. So he walks into his house not expecting, you know, a big surprise party. Um, But they're not expecting what happens either because when they turn the lights on and go, surprise, Frank is dressed up as Francesca. (laughs) He's actually dressed up as a woman and the whole thing just... Everybody goes, Frank... Is that you? Yeah, in a beautiful black silk shift dress and high heels.
3: (laughs) shaven legs and everything done to perfection. The works, the works. Anyway, he has a story. So that really is the central tenet of the book, Frank's story. It just surprises everybody. Yeah,
0: absolutely. But
3: but there's another couple of uh,
0: big stories running parallel. There is. There's also, we have... um, Miss Hardcastle, um, mm. Violet Hardcastle, but she likes to be called Miss Hardcastle. She lives on the square in a house, the grandest of the houses, but in the worst condition. She's agrophobic. She's been stuck in that house for years. She's cranky, cantankerous. She posts um, passive aggressive letters to all the residents, like your daughter's music is too loud, and how do, how could she walk out wearing that skirt? And you know she leaves just off, sends letters into all radio shows Jerry you probably had a few of those yourself <laughs> From you? her. yeah. yeah. Um, so, but she needs money and uh, so what she does is she uh, leases out two of her rooms one of which goes to Frank uh, nice. because Frank's wife uh, well, naturally, Gracie says, is a little bit upset about what's happening. Yes, yeah.
3: So you better become a lodger for the next while with this lady. So, but in, in yeah. a way, you know, she has been, as you say, all she has been. But yet, she provides refuge for this fella.
0: Well, she she has no choice. She yeah. would rather not, but yeah. she's no choice. She needs the money. And then, uh, fast on the heels comes Emily, uh, the next lodger who is a friend of one of the girls on the square. That's a tenuous link. It doesn't really matter. Mm. She's just out of uh, recovery. She's an alcoholic. Mm. So you have her story. And herself and Francesca, which um, Frank now wants to be known as, become really, really good friends. Uh, Violet is... Violet, some woman for one one. you know um, yeah it's great <laughs> Claudia it's, is brilliant she's brilliant Isn't it's she? funny it's smart Claudia it's Carol. astute and yeah. to be able to talk about transgender so openly mm. and with with wit and warmth uh, yes. really I really enjoy it I
3: think that's the t- the thing about this book three really serious topics but dealt with in a heartwarming way
0: oh yeah and really funny yeah. you know yeah, um, it's, very like Marion Keys like there's very serious subjects in there but done in such a way that you can almost picture yourself among the groups you know
3: there you have it the women of Primrose Square by Claudia Carroll follow up to the secrets which was fantastic as well no connection a standalone book from that if you haven't read yeah. the first one the, you don't need to read there's a link but it's you don't need
0: to have read, the link, a, yeah. you to have no, read
3: it you don't yeah. you don't indeed so your thriller is Claire Allen the <laughs> liar's daughter she was here with us in late lunch yesterday the grand chat were as well
0: yeah The Liar's Daughter I I love Claire Allen I think she's amazing she's really transformed she went from a romantic fiction writer all the way through to the thriller and this is the third of her thrillers that came out last week and it is it opens up um, where you know this man is dying Joe yeah and he it's kind of obvious from the beginning he's not a very very nice man at Mm. all so he has a daughter and also a stepdaughter and uh, (sighs) I won't. You know, I don't want to give too much away. No, I either. spoke a lot about it yesterday. So Will you McK- go then? Yeah. Well,
3: Joe McKee <laughs> is the man's name, and he has cancer, and he dies rapidly. And his daughter is Kira. The stepdaughter is Heidi. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, everyone comes round him with this diagnosis and this illness. Yeah. But he does die rather rapidly, even for a cancer diagnosis. And then we're into a. Who done it? Really? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: yeah, A policeman arrives at the door, saying, "Listen, um, yeah, I know that there's something has shown up on the on the kind of the postmortem, and uh, the five of you that were in the house, we think that one of you has Mm. has killed him. We think you may have smothered him.
3: And it deals with a really sensitive and serious topic as well from the past abuse.
0: It does. It deals with sexual abuse of um, a minor and. It doesn't, though, I wouldn't let it put you off by going, oh, I'm not reading about that stuff. It's more about how that minor grows up and what happens to them as an adult.
3: I had to think of you yesterday when I was talking to Claire not not to (laughs) spoil. No, you you keep saying that I am a devil at times for giving too much. Don't spoil it, don't spoil it. And it it is, look, it's a book you should pick up and start reading and it'll take you through this real believable character's Hell of a subject being dealt with there, and a who done it all mixed in. Literally, into the don't one. know
0: till the last. Absolutely, yeah. the
3: twist is marvelous at the end. I will say so. That's Claire Allen thriller picked by Margaret Madden and Book Club called The Liar's Daughter. And we had Claire with us on late lunch yesterday. And finally, to round off for your classic, yes, you've picked this book called War Doctor by David Knott.
0: Yes. Why? Now, I don't have a copy of it with me for the photograph or anything because I listened to it on audio. Yeah. It came up on my borrow box list and I thought, oh, I like the sound of that. Mm. And this is, uh, it's not out long. So you can't call it you a know, traditional classic. But in my opinion, everyone should read this. Every age, every gender, every nationality, whatever language you speak, you should be going out and getting a copy. It is absolutely, wonderfully honest. Uh, astute, mm, graphic. You know. Yeah, graphic. I mean, he's a war doctor. He's a he goes to he's a humanitarian. So he flies over with the likes of Medicine um, Sans Frontier. Am I pronouncing that right? Yes. Um, you know, and goes into the worst scenarios in in the in the world. Mm. So we're talking about Aleppo. We're talking about um, Afghanistan, Haiti, Gaza, Sierra Leone, Iraq. He goes everywhere to try and save his lives. Mm.
3: And he's been a surgeon for 25 years. He's volunteered. And those places you mentioned there, mm. some of the most dangerous places in the world. Shrapnel, bombs flying all around you. Mm. And here's this man in there trying so, to. Uh,
0: yeah, often with a gun pointed to his head just to try and get into the places, not even get out Um, he's very honest all the way through he talks about his own mental health and how you know post-traumatic stress disorder you have to suffer from it if Mm. you he's operated on people outdoors with no no uh, help Um, sometimes he arrives at these camps um, and there are no trained people there maybe there might be a midwife uh, there might be a nurse and as we both know sometimes they know their stuff Mm. better than than the uh, doctors that are in the room So then he also began campaigns to train these um, people properly to deal in the most harrowing situations um, without machinery, without blood. That seems to be the biggest thing. They have no blood. So they have to choose to let people die because they would know that they would need, say, 40 litres of blood to keep that person alive while performing surgery. Mm -hmm. And yet the person beside them only needs one litre of blood. So they will let the one who needed the more blood die to save the one who didn't. You know,
3: would you say like, and, and you've read more books than most. Yeah, it's not a book for the meek.
0: Um, know. we can't be meek in our in our. We live in a world where we're very okay. sheltered. Yes, I think everybody should read this. I really do To it's get upset. an, an yeah.
3: understanding To oh. get an
0: understanding of how lucky we are We we do complain about sometimes the most trivial things I'm forever given out about bloody Wi-Fi mm. I, You know mm. uh, It just makes you put your own life into perspective Yes there are some harrowing, harrowing stories but we can't walk around wearing blinkers mm. This man is absolutely amazing and there are doctors like this all over the world
3: There's a recent publication
0: Yeah I think like a year and a half ago yeah.
3: And and just come back to the point you made there you listen to it. What about audiobooks? Just as a general yeah. comment, i never asked I you this before, yet yeah, we yeah. have to come back to this. Yeah. What about the an audiobook compared to reading the the real McCoy the actual hard copy of the book
0: I uh, well he read it himself so if you can get an audio book by by so the narrated by it. The, it makes a huge difference okay. for sure um, when, especially with non-fiction yes um, audio books saved my life Jerry, from when I was in hospitals and I, I because of my own medical condition I couldn't hold a book or my eyes were playing up so I couldn't read yes um, so I had audio book constantly saved me from going bananas because I was long time in yeah. hospital and when I came out of hospital and back to normal able to hold a book I thought I, I miss them when I'm in bed so I always fall asleep listening to an audiobook because there's a timer on it that you yes. can say 15 minutes okay. or 20 minutes and you can yeah. load
3: down an app onto your and phone it's so relaxing it's an app on your phone
0: yeah there's a free one from the library it's called Borrow Box. it's on everyone's phone you just need your library card number and away you go
3: Borrow box. Are uh, you listening, folks? Borrow box. If you have a library card number, down, download it and it's linked
0: up through the louds. Or if you're in me, Mead, Mead, it'll be a me. And it's the all free are. now. Sometimes you have to wait a while for a particular yeah. title, but there's always available ones that they're free. Just try them out. If you don't like them, after a half an hour, turn it off. There Retur- you go. You return it then. Yeah.
3: Anyway, it flies. Time. Tempest Fugitive with Margaret Madden's here. Book of the Month is Three Hours by Rosamond Lupton. If you want to win the book pack and late lunch today, the question is, how many seconds are there in three hours? Five beautiful books could be yours. Get your answers to 086 1800 658 by WhatsApp or text. It's been a long time since before Christmas. It won't be too long this time. The short month of February, she'll be back. Margaret Madden, until then. Thank you.
0: No worries. Bye-bye.
3: The
2: Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahida, Dundalk and Cavan. We want you to smile with the best deals on a new Renault or Dacia in 2020. You can now inquire at blackstonemotors.ie. They started on the
3: same day in 1986, the 18th of December to be precise, as firemen and it's all over now after 33 years they're buddies and they're here with me in late lunch today to reflect on long careers serving their communities based in trim in county mead but they're with us in late lunch this afternoon chris cleary and alan keg you're welcome to the show thank you for joining me thank you jerry Jerry. it's great to see both of you today just tell me this for, for the start you're fine looking young men may i say and you've finished you had to finish
4: well, It's not that we have to. It's a requirement of the age. at When you reach the age of 58 years of age, um, you retire from the fire service. Um,
3: and you actually, 55, it's lower, isn't it, really? You have to apply each year after 55, is that it? That's correct,
4: yeah. For the following three years, you do um, a medical each year. And once you pass your medical, you go on and do it that year. But uh, for three extra years, and then when you get to the, the 90 or 50 58 birthday or you're turning over that night
3: is it that night
5: it's that night yeah absolutely totally midnight that night you finish you're gone pack it up you hang up your helmet for the final
3: time yeah I, I feel looking at the period that yeah. you could have gone on. Would you have liked to have gone on if, if the regulation wasn't there? Would you have gone on? I would have. My, Of course we would, yeah. You know, you're still able to, to
5: carry out the function of a firefighter, mm. but regulations are there and you, you ha, we have to abide by them. You know, and um, listen, 33 years, it was a wonderful career.
3: <laughs> it's you a know? long yeah, stint, it yeah. really is. Do you remember that day, the 18th of December, 86? Or Do you remember anything in particular about it?
4: Just that, uh, that's the day we were, we were given our, our, we're on an alert system it's, uh, for, for mobilising. Yes. And that's the day myself and Chris uh, started on the 18th of December. We got alert that day and our first call was probably that day, Chris, was it?
5: It was actually, it was uh, to a hairdresser's and that boy. Yeah. Really? And here's the funny thing about that, that that first call. I was given the wrong alert for the wrong uh, town, so I never actually got the alert that day for the fire that day. Would you believe it? I was a pager a page for some other station, so my first call I missed it.
3: <laughs> anyway, you sorted you sorted that out obviously we on the other day out yeah, yeah, yeah 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 isn't that funny like yeah. that just to happen ironically on your first day and when you go in as newbies as young fellas at that stage uh was there an established core there say who were at the
4: stage that you are at now you know there was actually yes um it's sort of if you get a place in the fire service, which, which as you can see, myself and Chris have been 33 years there, guys tend to stay a full the full career yeah. throughout that time. And myself and Chris, when we joined, we were young men at the time, obviously, and uh, uh, we were starting to replace the first of the retiree, retirees of that particular group going yeah. back then. Yeah. So there was a lot of retirements within a couple of years, within a few years, within, I suppose, the space of seven or eight years, Christy? Mm. Yeah. Do
5: you know something, though? You know, we're absolutely steeps in luck, you know, because we had some fantastic firefighters who we took up the mantle from, like, you know, who had years and years of service. And we just went in at that time where you had this years and years of dedication and, and devotion that were passed on to us, like, you know, and it was, we were so, so lucky to actually to have achieved that, that and to obtain that mantle from all those people, like, you know, all mm. those
3: years ago. Obviously, in 33 years, there's been a lot of changes in terms of the way, uh, you know, emergencies are dealt with, the equipment you you use, all that type of thing. Absolutely,
5: totally. I mean, you could go right through the whole system, I mean, going through the paging system, the calls to incidents, calls we couldn't have attended years ago. If you even look at the uh, the, the, the huge, uh, the heat wave we had not so long ago, for instance, we would never have been able to deal with that on the scale that we dealt with. It. We had Storm Ophelia, we had Storm Emma. You know, all those things, like, you know, we'd never been able to deal with years ago, but now with the modern equipment, we can deal with most yeah. of these things.
4: Yeah, well, back then, actually, our alerting system was actually... Well, prior to myself and Christy joining, actually, it was a siren on the top of the town hall in, in, in Trim. You Listen,
3: know? I just... Yeah. You know, you see the smile on this face. Yeah. I can remember it here in Drawhon, yeah. in the old fire station. You'd hear the You'd siren hear the siren sounding. And yeah. that siren was... There was no pay... That was to alert the yeah. firemen
4: to get to the station. Exactly, yeah. After, when we joined, it was... Uh, the system had... It was basically phones in the houses. The phone call was taken at, yeah. at that point. And it was a button in my house, because I was a uh, sub-officer at the time. And we used to alert them from the house, pressing the button, get up in the middle of the night, and by me pressing the button. But all that has changed in 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 in, um, in latter years, where uh, it's all mobilised now from Dublin control. System okay. Now.
3: And 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 do people do you carry the? It's to your phone now, is it? It no. Home? It's the pages. Still, it's the, still the pages, pages system. system. Yes, yeah, still the paging hmm. system, which yeah. is unique yeah. and uh, to, to, to yourselves in the service.
4: You know, it, Yeah, it, it, each, it, each town would have their own system. I see. Yeah, so I seven see. seven towns, seven uh, brigades in County Mead. So we're all a kind of a different, uh, different frequency. Different frequency.
3: I understand. Yeah, I yeah. understand. But there you are, paging. I remember I worked in telecoms myself said when the pages came first, we thought yeah. you know, our thing yeah. didn't smell. You know what I mean? Yeah. we got pages and look at where we are today uh, with technology. But the paging system is still what you use. You know, uh, the fire station, you have... I think there's always a glamour about a fire station. The engines, they look spick and span. The guys, the way you're dressed in the uniforms, you know, and the gear you wear as well. Do you know the poles that the firemen
4: come down? Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have one of them in our station. <laughs> I was going
3: to ask you, no. no. That we
5: was, don't, Jerry. No. But you, you were perfectly right about the glamour and everything else. You know, when young people come to the fire station... You know, they, they 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 have a burning desire at that age, even to join the fire service, and that remains with a lot of them right throughout their life until they do join us.
3: Yeah, so that
5: you those know, visits yeah. of children
3: to your station
4: are so important. You guys were well They're aware so of that. important, absolutely, oh, yeah. still yeah. goes on to this day. Yeah, we're we're lucky in the sense that uh, I suppose me county council were never behind in 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 putting money into the service and when we were joining within two years of us joining we had a brand new station built and trim and it's a very fine station and very good station even to today's standards um so you know between stations um fire appliances and equipment and our own training our, our training and plus the fire gear and all, all any equipment or anything we we, we ever need or require mm. um it's it's been a progression all the way right up to th- today. You know?
3: You're also great people to um, get the message out about safety in the home and fire. That's a big part of what you guys. You know,
5: totally, Jerry. I mean, me county council have created several programs in County Meath. You know, uh, particularly visiting houses vulnerable of of vulnerable communities. We also started a program where we have the fire safety in the home program, where we can actually go out and assess your home. And this was uh, this was a great initiative from being County Council. Like so many people got upgraded, like you know, with their with fire system, fire alarms. They were told of all the dangers, and they uh, and they they were proactive in in taking our advice on board. You know, me County Council is forward in that, a stream yes. forward. Yeah. And
3: do you think, like you know, there are still always, unfortunately, accidents. Things happen, but do you think the message, you know, is? You know, out there, deeper in people's psyche and minds, are we more safety conscious about this in our homes? Do you know what drives that home, Jerry, more than anything
5: else? The open days of the fire stations. They are so important because not only do you come and see what firefighters have on their appliances, what they have as far as kit goes, the top, the the first class, like, you know, imaging devices, all that sort of stuff. We also drive home the importance of fire safety
3: in the home. Mm. Because realistically, and I I don't want to rain on your parades or or the guys who are there now, Your ideal world would be never really to be called to a fire. You know what I mean? Ideally. 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 That would Absolutely. be the that, ideal be scenario. That would be the ideal scenario. You know, yeah. but if it's needed, these boys and many more like them, in loud than me, they're all, always there and right round the country. 33 years is a long time to spend, you know, at this. You have obviously dealt with very difficult situations. Goes without saying, you know, and I think about fires. I think about road traffic accidents in particular and other events where there is loss of life how how do you deal with that you know do you remember the first time you were called to a, a serious incident well you don't have to name names but you know what I mean yeah.
4: Yes, I mean, um, we've had, I mean, several uh, serious incidents throughout uh, the career. You know, how do I deal with it? Um, Everybody deals with it a little different. Uh, Generally, if we have something that's quite nasty, we would chat about it ourselves when we get back to the station. It's a kind of... a. and we also have a, a, a thing in place at the moment. It's called CISM, which is critical incident stress management. So yeah. if we get we get um, uh, incidents that are, are are quite nasty and that type of thing, we 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 can activate that that uh, mm. that. Um, Do
3: you ever become insulated or, or immune from you know you know you've been involved in a number through your career, uh, Chris? No, because no.
5: empathy plays a big part in the fire service. You have to have that. And it's unfortunately, well, unfortunately, in our cases, because em- empathy creates that, 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 that feeling of sorrow, that feeling. But it's an, a vital requirement. You know, you would not function properly in the fire service without that empathy. And unfortunately, that empathy puts on the baggage where you have to bring it back to the station. Whereas, when, where Alan pointed out there, from that point, we talk about it. Then you know we implement SISM. We have we can ring we can ring um, private counsellors. You know which Mead county council provides us numbers for. Mm. You know all that is in place for the fire. The welfare of the firefighter is very well looked after now. Mm.
3: You know, and, and you know when you're on a, a way, on your way to an incident, I, I, I take it your. Being prepared, there's communication happening, you know, from very first responders to yourselves. Yes,
4: yes, yes. yeah. Well, look, when a call comes in, we're we're obviously mobilised to the station straight away. The, the moment a the person's making that call into the um, the control centre, so we're on our way, mobilised to the on our way to the station. We're straight in, get into the gear. Uh, one of us will take the message of, of what the call actually is uh, while the rest are getting into their gear so everything is happening fairly quick we hope to turn out the, do- out the door within about four minutes three to four minutes um, on, a, on, a, on a, if the traffic allows and that yes. type of thing Getting to the station you know so if we get mobilised then we're obviously on our way to the call and we're gathering information all the time particularly if it's something serious like um, if it's a domestic house or something like that yes. just trying to find out if there's anybody reported and if there's an ambulance in, en route and that type of thing you know Yeah, because
3: you work across of course, the emergency services, must mention the ambulance crews today, the Garda, yourselves, all working together to keep us all safe and sound. Chris Cleary and Alan Kig are with me on late lunch this afternoon. We're going to talk more after the break. 66 years and out at this stage. I'm sure they'd like to be saying to me, not out like a cricket term, but they are out. They're finished after serving the community and county meet brilliantly. Chris Cleary and Alan Kig are with me on late lunch this afternoon. Now, it's important to tell people as well, you, your work with the uh,
4: fire service over thirty three years. You also have other jobs as well. What what do you do, Alan? Uh, I run a, um, a a motor repair and car sales uh, garage in in Trim. And Chris, I'm a,
5: I'm a service supporter in the HSE. And uh, I also uh, do the training there as well, the manual handling and um, okay, so fire yeah. evacuations. Yeah, and all there's that a, sort of a big yeah. link
3: there for you as well. Yeah. So how did it work then? Were you on call? You weren't obviously on call all the time. How does that work? Have you shifts or what happens?
4: Oh, we are actually on call are all you? the time. all yeah. of the
3: time? Yeah. Even when you're at your day jobs?
4: Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a 24-hour, three, six, five days a year call system, you know. And um, when we're alerted, Obviously, we go to the station now there's a crew of ten is generally what the the crew's strength of is is in trim and and most of the brigades in in, in county mead navin are stronger because they've a, they've covered more of a crew of fifteen mm-hmm. but um look at if we get. I is, well. I was station officer with Trim, and I managed the station. So it was kind of up to me to manage that. Everybody is, if, no, it, it's not as restrictive as you think. If a guy has a you know a christening on or a wedding on or holidays or whatever, they can go. You know, okay. Look, out of ten, if we get a call, if we get a torn out of six at any call, we're we're you're away
3: in a hack, and, and generally hack. with ten, you will get that at any stage. I anyway, are there any full time firefighters in me?
4: Just the one in, in Navin. Okay.
3: Yeah. So, basically, the service is manned by people like yourselves who are people. on call yeah. all the time. You're fantastic. I really admire you even yeah. more when I hear that. You know, that you're always there on the end of that bleep or whatever, and when you get the call, away you go. And come back to something we just were talking about there before we went to the break I'm curious about, because this is a bugbear with me at times. The respect for the siren from road users.
4: What is that like? Okay, so, yeah... A lot of the time when we're on our way to a call and we have the siren and the lights has gone, uh, we come across traffic in front of us quite a lot that don't even realise we're right up there behind them. Now, maybe it's because their stereo is turned up full and they can't hear the siren or they're not using their mirrors uh, well enough, you know. Um, and then sometimes when they suddenly realise, oh, fire engine behind us, blue lights flashing and all the rest, they tend to maybe press on the brakes and pull in in front of you and create... A, 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 an obstacle really more than anything else whereas the correct way of, of doing it is you know once they have seen that we're behind them they should probably sp- uh, go on a little bit until they get somewhere safe to pull in and, and allow us to go past, particularly if there's oncoming traffic in the other direction. If there's no oncoming traffic, we can overtake them, obviously.
3: A big frustration, Chris, obviously. Oh, it is totally. Uh, particularly, you know, dry, drivers
5: of... of the, the Drivers in within the fire service, are all trained in advanced driving. And they're able to anticipate most things that are going on. But you can't anticipate sometimes you know um, drivers not being aware of what they're doing and everything else and it adds a bigger strain onto a driver you know to to get you there to that call to get you there to that person you know and as alan pointed out there you know and it's the action that the driver takes when they notice, oh, I have something behind me, you know, and I need to, they they, they do evasive action then and
3: it can cause a knock-on effect, Mm. you know. I want to send the message out today with these two great men here. Please do beware of the sirens from now on. You know what I mean? Slow down, come to a stop, find a place, let the emergency services by because you know yourself. Don't tell you minutes can be just so vital in a critical situation. To get there, and that that goes without saying. Now, I did mention, you know, in particular, fires and RTAs, road traffic accidents, but your remit is f- far wider than that.
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, we cover, um, we can, you know, we ca- we we cover ambulance assist calls, for instance. We cover alarm activations. A lot of the calls we do, um, you know, we cover quite a, f- a scope of, of calls, and, and more now, more more now than we did years ago. Um, a lot of the calls, to be honest with are, are your bread and butter stuff. The lads just know what straight away what to do. Um, it's a small percentage, really, at the end of the day, when I say maybe 10% of the calls.
5: <clears throat> yeah, because um, if you take Storm Ophelia, for instance, and the, the other Storm, Storm Emma... I mean, one of the biggest things that time would have been trees down. And mm. we're also trained in chainsaw uh, use. OK. So, so for clearing the road, for road users. There are calls are vast now in relation to what they used to be years ago, you know. And the firefighters are trained in all these things, you know. They're trained in that they don't, they're not just handed this equipment and say, go use it. Everyone has to be trained now in these in these systems.
3: Mm. And know? I just look at your training. There's, it, it, when you come in now, you, of course, you have um, a serious programme of induction before and and training before you can actually
4: we have uh, we have two recruits obviously coming on to replace us and they're actually in training at the moment um, in Dundalk fire station I think they're doing the recruits course that's a three week course after that they have to do a two week breathing apparatus course and following on from that we have um, breathing apparatus refresher courses every two years we have um, hot fire training which is uh, confined uh, hot fire training that's every two years as well so Training is an ongoing thing thing all the time and all the way through your career. There's RTC training. There's and then, of course, we're doing training every every week anyway. Or three we, three days of the of the week, or three evenings of the week. Uh, we we constantly,
3: constantly honing your your skills.
5: Honing your skills constantly, and it's it's it's, it's a fundamental requirement. You have to do it mm. because each firefighter needs to know what the other firefighter is doing. That's where the teamwork comes in. Yes, and teamwork is vital within the fire service.
3: You know, it's vital. I take it. The rescuing of cats from trees is
4: a thing from history or cartoons, yes? Uh, sort of, yes. We we tend not to. Um, I mean, unless it's something that's, but we tend not to take cats out of trees and that type of <laughs> stuff. It's a bit more for the <laughs> yeah. for
3: fireman yeah. Sam ponty-pandy. Mm, uh, but I tell you,
4: don't. But not. we have had we have had incidents where, let's say, horses have been. Caught in 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 ditches or muddy yes. ground, and yeah, we've yeah. had been called to assist them. Animal welfare stuff, you know. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Them them type of calls are sort of, um, I suppose, analysed by our superior officers, which you know are mm. senior officers, and, and uh, they would make a call on that. I
3: don't think there's. A, I'm just speaking for my own children. I see my grandchildren's experience now. I don't think there's a child. Didn't love Fireman Sam, just to get back to that for a minute. You know what I mean? The whole, what I was saying to you a little bit earlier on, you know, the engines and the station and and all that goes with it It was, it
5: was amazing that something like, you know, that, that, um, that attraction to that job was instilled in them from a young, young age.
3: Just thinking that, yeah. Yeah, Yeah.
5: and, and as I said, like, you know, earlier, it does remain with them it does remain with them and they're never afraid young children are never afraid to come into a fire station they're never afraid to climb into a fire engine they're never afraid to take that hose yeah. we you do know, do a lot been, of uh, yeah.
4: we do a lot of school trips every year yeah. where where we get requests from, from teachers to you know take the young children into the station in. yes. and, and do you
3: go out as well no? oh we
4: do we do we, a schools programme uh, we do a schools yeah. programme yeah. yeah the schools programme is, is a thing that's um, it's a nationwide thing actually but uh, me county council manager it um, and we, we we provide it by a couple of lads that go to the schools mm. and the schools programme and they would talk to the kids then about fires and yeah. in a in a, in a a sort of um, uh, they use cartoons and stuff like that it's, it's you know it's, it's it's a um, yeah and and, and at we, their level. we
3: see today and and i know you all regard people in this country and in their neighboring countries and in the world you're all comrades in in the fire service and i just think of the firefighters in australia who've been you know at the heart you talked about the dry summer here yeah. Uh, yeah. chris you know what yeah. i mean and when you like it's just uh, it's in the ocean compared to what your colleagues are trying to deal with absolutely because
5: even the, like as i said that during the dry season that time we would have uh we would have had very long hours that time and it would have been something we would never have been used to like you know um, all these uh, environmental changes now that are happening but our heart does go out to those because they're, they're they're putting hours and hours and hours of dedication into that
3: to to try and keep community safe you know Message there from a listener to say congratulations to both of you on uh, the wonderful years of service and thank you for all you've done for all of the people through those years that you've helped. That's a nice little message Thank there. you, thank Melissa. You thank you very much. Thank you. From, from yeah. that listener uh, there to us this afternoon for, for, for you guys. So that's it. The one door closes, another opens yes yeah totally uh you, you
5: don't have 33 years of fire service and leave it sitting there no you have to utilize that i'm going to put all that training as i say into other training now within the community yes. um once i get all my certifications i'll, I'll be on the road on
3: that. well done to you chris yeah.
4: Uh, that's it, yeah. Thanks very much, Jerry. No, thank
3: you indeed, both of you, Alan Kig and Chris Cleary. 66 years in the service of the community and wonderful service it's been. Wish you well for the future and thank you so much for joining me on Late Lunch today. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Gerry. Titanic Belfast is the world's largest Titanic visitor experience and since its opening, it's become a must-see attraction for all and throughout February, they have a fantastic promotion for younger visitors with kids going free. It's a great opportunity to enjoy the full interactive Titanic experience. There'll be special meal deals in Bistro 401 and children receive a free Titanic activity pack when completed. And the team at Titanic Belfast have been in touch with us to offer one of our listeners today a fantastic... family pass to the titanic experience here's the question this afternoon titanic sank as we all know on its maiden voyage but from which uk port did it depart on its maiden voyage from which uk port did titanic depart answers please to O eight six eighteen hundred-six five eight by whatsapp or text and we'll pick somebody for that family pass to the titanic belfast experience it's wonderful it really is I'm delighted to welcome back another of our regulars. He's committed to us for 2020 and we're so delighted. You got the books earlier on with Margaret. Now, if you'd like a little sip on the side, yes, he's back. Rick Cronje. Happy New Year, even though it's nearly the end of January. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks very much, Jerry. Great to be back. Ah, it's great to have you back with us as well. Now you've brought he sent me a message, by the way, in the last few days. He says I've two crackers for you, Jerry, to start off the new year. So let's get straight to business with the first one, which is a white wine. And
2: it comes from which country, Rick? It comes from Chile. And the name of the wine is? And the name is the Arresti, and it's a Trikel Gran. Reserva, Very important because they are just ordinary Sauvignon Blancs with the same name on the shelf. Okay, so Grand Reserva, you must see on this yeah.
3: label, Arresti, Triskel, Grand Reserva is very important. Yeah. Now, the grape, it's 100% Sauvignon Blanc. Okay, very popular grape and yes. wine derivatives. People love it in
2: this country. The year is? 2017. And where must you go to pick up this lovely This wine? I got from Super Value in Dundalk. Uh, fairways fairway is there, um, but it's part of the Musgrave Group, which owns central stores. So, it's very, very possible, because they do promotions at the different stores at yes. different times, you know.
3: Okay, so there's a centre in your area as well. Go in and Go check in it and out. Go and check it out. This wine may be there. You can ask them about it anyway. Yes. Now, here's the thing before we talk about the wine itself, which I am astounded at. The yes. amount of Chilean wine that yes. we
2: consume in Ireland, t- yes. h- h- how much? 27% of all wine sold in Ireland is from Chile. Nearly a third. Yes, of and the it's ones. growing, Jerry. It's growing. Have 5 you? years ago it was like 21-22%. So yeah. obviously they're producing the the stuff that people in Ireland like. Absolutely. Absolutely, Jerry, and at the right price. And it's uh, even the quality wines. Now, obviously, you you get different qualities and and uh, the different name brands and that. And uh, the danger is uh, people. When I talk to them, they say to me, "Oh, it's cheap labor." No, no, uh, everything is relevant. You know, if you go to Spain, you pay two or three euro for your pint of beer. Well, it's all relative to the country. The advantage in Chile is the fact that. It's um, The vineyards, they are pest-free, they're disease-free because of the climate. Okay. So they don't run the risks. So they're pretty consistent, since, certainly since the 90s, in producing volume and quality. So you guarantee the market there. Okay. And, and that's one of the reasons, yes. Really good to hear that. Now, the
3: Arresti uh, yeah. winery and family, they're in this business mm. a long time.
2: Uh, it started in 1951 mm. and it's been going ever since. Yes, very well known and very well respected there.
3: And th- where this particular Sauvignon Blanc is yes. grown, the, the particular area, it suits
2: this grape, doesn't it? It does. It's uh, just to the west of uh, Santiago, the the, um, the capital. And it's in the Leda Valley, which is part of the San Antonio Uh, region this is a sub-region the Ledo Valley and uh, if you look at what's planted there Sauvignon Blanc would cover 45 percent of the area the next one up is Pinot Noir 35 and Chardonnay 10 and that so that yeah that's it explains the reason for it it's cooler but it's near the coast
3: as well so you're getting
2: those lovely I take it ocean breezes and early morning mists that's exactly what you get jerry off the pacific ocean and remember uh, chile is a long narrow land strip so you've got the yeah. pacific ocean on the left i think it's 2600 miles long and 110 miles and then you got the andes to yeah. the east that separates from argentina so you mm. got that lovely combination mm. um and yeah lots of sunshine as well oh which is fantastic a long growing season um, and that, certainly for the white wines in particular, yeah. uh, can't get better it's than that. It's just ideal. Yes. So,
3: will you put a little tip into that uh, tumbler there beside yes. you? And I'll just watch as you pour it there yes. for a second till I till I see it. Yeah. And for, so, I, I can see straight away, it's a very pale, clear wine, isn't it? Very, very, very pale. I have yeah. to say that. It is yeah. very pale. Well, do you know something? There's oranges and lemons and limes in that little container, yes. isn't there?
2: Absolutely. Very jumps, strong.
3: Jumps yeah. on the nose
2: straight it's away. 2017. So, uh, remember, it's southern hemisphere. So, around between now and March, April, it would have been harvested. So, we're heading into year three with this now. Is this for drinking now? Uh, yesterday, <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so
3: really you're saying when you get this
2: it is yeah. this is not for storage. no no absolutely not cherry and that's part of the reason why i picked it it's 2018 also but that will just be a sauvignon blanc this is a grand Reserva. It is i'm just I, i'm
3: even reluctant to take it i'm just yeah. enjoying it yeah, the nose it's lovely, so much there strong. oh it's summertime powerful, it,
2: well let me have a little powerful, sip of this now very powerful nose
3: Oh there's um, a hell of a, a hell of a linger on that, isn't it there is when,
2: yeah. It is. It is Jerry. Definitely fresh, is fresh. Very fresh. Zesty. Very refreshing, zesty. Yep. It's now yeah.
3: that is would
2: go well with something.
3: No, you could sip it, but really you there's could. something needed with yeah. this. What's needed yeah.
2: with it, Rick? For me, shellfish. Number think, one. Uh, number one. Uh, definitely shellfish. Anything along that line, uh, grilled fish. Um, this would go with just, lovely. Th- yeah that will go uh, with it if it yeah.
3: were uh, of uh, the vegetarian or vegan persuasion vegans, yep. what would you
2: recommend there for uh, them Asian style okay. of uh, vegetables, vegetables for them yeah I mean in, in my family my son and daughter-in-law they've been vegans now for oh, over I think 12-13 years so whenever they visit i'm a vegan whenever i visit them i'm a vegan (laughs) so i've learned a lot i've learned a lot from that okay okay
3: it is it's lovely rick i have to say it's very refreshing isn't it yeah
2: very very refreshing Mm. jerry one of the uh, the few sauvignon blancs where uh, you know it's 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 always unique when it comes from the Southern Hemisphere, the fruitiness in it and a long aftertaste, which is rare in Sauvignon Blancs. They oh, I disappear. think
3: prawns on the barbecue and yes. the shell or, yeah. you know, mussels or, you know, even scallops done on the pan. But, and it even would go, I'm sure, with a bit of fish, as you say, as well. But yeah. shellfish.
2: Shell, I, for I, sure. I, I think it'll suit it. It's yeah, a beautiful fruitiness, would so just to tell you
3: again, the white wine is from Chile, Arresti Triskel, Grand Reserve Sauvignon Blanc, twenty seventeen from Super Value, all the Musgrave Group, which includes Centra. And how much will that bottle of that set you back? Uh,
2: it's at fifteen ninety nine. It's a big bottle, moment. though. <laughs> it's, <laughs> a big bottle, the, a it's a big bottle. It's a wide bottle on,
3: yeah. on the bottom, isn't it? There's plenty it is, of bang
2: Jerry. for your buck in that
3: bottle, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's the white wine. Just before we move off Chile and go mm. to the red, uh, take a break first, of course. I want to ask you this, and it's in relation to Chilean wines, red or white, maybe more so thinking about the reds. And I was asked to put this question to you today. Yes. Sulfites in wine. Yes. And its relationship with getting
2: the old banging headache. Yes. Would you just talk about the sulfites for a moment? Well, first of all, sulfites are in wine. It occurs uh, naturally to a low, low percentage. But uh, where it's added is for the preservation. And by law, you have to stipulate it. That is why it's stipulated and that's why it's present in there. Now, the percentage can sometimes be much, much lower than the uh, sulphides you'll find in preserved foods, for instance. Really? But in food, you don't have to stipulate it. There's no requirement I see. Uh, on the labelling, whereas in wine, it's a law. So mm. yes, is it related to headache when you are, you know I I oh
3: there must be a lot of sulfite in that wine yeah. or something. <laughs> no,
2: Jerry. misnomer is it? Yeah, it's a misnomer, Jerry, okay. because I can guarantee you that sliced pork slices you bought in your local supermarket yeah you would have had an even bigger headache from that okay so that know?
3: won't be accepted as an excuse anymore no. drink plenty of water That's as we, such Rick a
2: always says it
3: yes. plenty of water with the wine yes. and in moderation we don't need yes. to go crackers about
2: That's this the answer
3: can I say crackers anymore? You wouldn't know what you'd say on the radio or the television nowadays and there'll be a crowd chasing you. Anyway, they won't be chasing us this afternoon. Well, they will <laughs> in a few minutes because Rick has brought us a cracking red and he's bringing it all back home to his home place, South Africa. Stay with us on Late Lunch. Yes, it's scenes from an Italian restaurant on Late Lunch this afternoon. We don't have Billy Joel, but we do have Rick Cronje. Bottle of white, bottle of red. We've done
2: the white. We're onto the red. Rick, you are back home with this one. Tell us what you I, brought today. Yes, This is from uh, Stellenbosch, uh, area very famous for its wine in South Africa, and it's called Kloss Malvern, and it's the Orette Cape Blend. And the blend is Cabernet Sauvignon and Pinotage. And it's a 2016 Yes, very
3: important. And I said with the white, and you said, beg your pardon, you said, drink the white
2: now. What about this? Is this for drinking now? Could you keep Uh, this a little while? I would drink it now because it's 2016. So it's already four years. You'll definitely get another year to two years out of it, even three years out of it, you know. But um, personally, I, I would, I would, prefer to keep it a bit but uh if i if i run out of patience <laughs> i wouldn't be too far wrong why jerry.
3: would you keep it too long when you get this man coming to us every month and making new recommendations and that is the joy of wine
2: exactly, trying jerry. different absolutely, ones isn't it and Jerry, Absolutely. traveling through the world of wines this yeah. one is
3: from Dunn stores how much will this one cost you
2: this is the thing it's 12 euro jerry If you you were in South Africa, you will be looking for €17, so it's a bargain. It's a bargain, this one. It is a bargain. bargain. Now, what about the winery where this one comes from? Yeah, Klaus Malvern, very famous uh, in in South Africa. I see lately they've got a restaurant up and you can stay on the estate, so they've really gone the whole hog with it. Um, um, People would have seen Heron's Nest. I'm sure the label in in dunce, That's part of them silver leaf and the Devonay range. You'll definitely see those. So it's well known in Ireland under different uh, okay. labels. This one. This particular one um, uh, is the top of the range now. All right. It's top of the range because it was harvested by hand, and the fermentation was it was destalked, so that gets the little woody bits out. Um, And then it was put into fermentation tanks, completely whole with the husk for seven days. Okay. And then they took the husk off and then they basket press it. So very gentle operation. So this is really hands-on? The whole process, Jerry. (laughs) And there's three varieties in here and they did the same process with the three because this particular combination is Cabernet Sauvignon at 60%. Pinotage, which is unique to South Africa, 30 and Merlot, 10%. Okay. The reason why Merlot is not mentioned, because as we said before, in the wine laws, if it's 10% and less, you don't have to stipulate that. That's your secret recipe part of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I see. So, so th- that
3: explains th- that. Th- that won't be there. Now, no. N- no. Pinotage, you mentioned that, that is the quintessential South African
2: yeah. grape, isn't it? It is. It its it is because it it it's um they they took the pinot noir mm. which is as we know a good wine on its own but in south africa it's it it's very hard to grow and then we had what we it's a senso but in south africa it was called hermitage so that's where you, the pinot noir Hermitage Pinot and the Taj from the the last end of Hermitage. They squashed together yes, bits of each yes. of, the, of the other names exactly. And
3: this was developed. This was developed by a professor in he did. South Africa. He did
2: yeah as a new in variety 19, a, a new variety because he saw the potential in the two uh, as a. As a viticultural cross, yes. which is what he did, so he crossed them, and the seeds from the final product is what he planted, and that's how Pinotage came. Yes, about.
3: And, and and ironically, uh, apartheid really <laughs> held it back. It, it didn't. It did. Its reputation didn't grow till after really uh, apartheid. Exactly.
2: Yes. Exactly, Jerry. And as we discussed on a previous program, uh, when uh, Mandela was freed in ninety two, it really opened up. Uh, a lot mm. of avenues, and that's when it really started taking off in other parts of the country as well. Yes.
3: Now you have uh, you have a little drop there. No, I do. You
2: you do say about this that this wine would benefit from decanting. It would, Jerry, because it's um, first of all it it spent twelve months on oak. Yeah. So it'll still be strong. And as I said, although it's now going four years, you you would need a bit more time on it. Um, and although I found the nose a little bit on the shy side, but you will definitely on the palate pick up.
3: Well, it's earthy. Strong. Can I say it's it is. earthy? Because I, yes. I work
2: with the soil myself. Absolutely. And when you turn Jane.
3: ground now, which we'll be doing in the gardens in the Very next few soon, weeks. Very soon, yep. That's what I'm getting actually on yeah. the nose on that one. Let's have a little. And sec- that'll
2: be unique too, Pinotage. Certainly the, the the sunso part. Oh, there's a real silkiness to that yes. as well, isn't there? Very well balanced. Mm.
3: Very well balanced, Jerry. Oh, that is a nice, nice wine yeah. as well. Again, a
2: combination wine. Yes. yes, a blend. Correct. And to pair with food, yes, you'd definitely say I this would needs say pairing. so, Jerry. I- as always, enjoy the first class, really to appreciate the yeah. winemaker 's effort, but thereafter yeah. you 'll be looking for food and uh, I would say red meat i i 'd love to try it with grilled lamb chops I, I really yeah. think that that'll go well um, and then of course, vegan vegetarians, you know the darker, heavy vegetable mushroom. Mush- yes, mushroom, especially the brown mushroom with that. Yeah. Now, and I'll tell you what, you'd yeah. be sailing, wouldn't you? Yeah, and I had a very rich, dark humour the other day with it, uh, Jerry, as you can see by the level. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that, that was sea peach. Yep, we'll yeah. put it down to sea peach. And it went down very, very well. Yeah. It's yeah. a lovely, lovely red. It's a strong wine, mm. but it's not heavy in your no, mouth, Jerry. No,
3: definitely but, not. Definitely yeah. not. And I will say, I'm just saying a little sip here to try and give you my impression of, yes. of what it is. And I certainly... I had some lovely water between the white and the red, and can give you my humble opinion on it. Anyway, again, just to remind people, South Africa, and the name again on it? It's Klaus Malvern. And Cabernet Uh,
2: and Pinotage. Pinotage. It's called the Oret Cape Blend. You'll see it Uh, straight away. Yes, Oret Cape Blend. 2016 2016 from done stores 12 euro 12 euro giveaway absolute giveaway at rick's
3: recommendation on late lunch this afternoon so there you have it beautiful white wonderful red to get you going in 2020 and we'll post details after the show i promise you that you'll be able to see the labels and enjoy rick thank you so much great to see you see you next month you will do jerry thanks for joining me on the show Listen up country music fans, the home of Just Great Country has arrived. We're very proud to announce the launch of our brand new station, LMFM Country. So if you love all things country, head over to the LMFM app or lmfm.ie where you can click on the Listen Live button to hear Just Great Country all day Every day, you'll hear everything from Nathan Carter, George Jones, Mike Denver to the Eagles and everything in between. That's the all-new LMFM country, now available only on the LMFM app and on lmfm.ie. And while on the country... Theme. he joined me on late lunch last week. Yes, country star Kieran Rosny. He's bringing his Glen Campbell story, "Gentle on My Mind," to the TLT in Drawhatted this Saturday, the first of February. It's a must-see show with all the Glen Campbell hits one after another, brilliantly performed by Kieran and his band. I have a pair of tickets to give away to um, "Gentle on My Mind," the Glen Campbell story, to one of you today. Here's the question. Glenn Campbell sang about a rhinestone what? I'm giving it away, isn't it? He sang about a rhinestone what? If you'd like to go along to that show, get your answers in now to 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. And speaking about competitions, we've had a number today. Louise, the uh, Titanic Belfast experience, who has won the uh, family pass to that today on Late Lunch?
0: That's going to Jill Kiernan in Donabate today.
3: Well done, Jill, because the question was from which UK port did it depart and the answer was?
0: Southampton.
3: Southampton is right. And we'll have another family pass to give away on late lunch tomorrow. The book pack, five brilliant books. And uh, lots and lots of people sending us in uh, WhatsApp and text answers to that one. And I have to say the majority got it right. Margaret Madden's book of the month this month was three hours, wasn't it? That was the name of the book. When well, I just check? Where's me notes here? they here somewhere anyway. I'll tell you in a minute. Anyway, three hours is the subject of the question for the book pack because I wanted to know how many seconds are there in three hours? And the answer, Louise Walsh, three
0: 10,800.
3: Well done. 10,800 seconds in three hours. And our book pack from Late Lunch Book Club this afternoon goes to Bess O'Connor in Ashbourne. Well done to you. Bess O'Connor in Ashbourne. We'll be in touch to make the arrangements to get those books to you. Well done indeed. The coronavirus, Louise, we hear Michael talking about it there on the news. There hasn't been... At this point in time, a world health emergency declared. Just not yet. They're meeting at the moment. There could be. Okay. But it's certainly moving around this planet rapidly, isn't it?
0: It is. Just so, um, there was breaking news there a while ago that a doctor was testifying in a case in the High Court and he mentioned that there was a case in Dublin that looked likely to be uh, coronavirus.
3: And that's been mentioned in Dublin this afternoon? In the
0: High Court. Oh, Uh, Somebody presented themselves an a and e and it looked likely, but oh, well. it was a separate case now there were. but he mentioned yes. it. Yeah, mentioned,
3: but certainly not confirmed yet. We just want to tell you, we don't know anything anything further about that. But there is lockdown going on in terms of people travelling, flights in and out of China. Mm -hmm. And last week on Late Lunch, we had a chat with Aaron McNicholas. Aaron, I remind you again, great guy, spent six months here with us uh, on work experience on Late Lunch here on LMFM Radio. And he's out uh, as Bloomberg correspondent in Hong Kong at the moment. He brought us the latest as this story was breaking about a week ago. We're going to catch up with Aaron just after this break. Eight thousand cases, one hundred and seventy deaths in China so far. They're the latest figures. Now, my next guest may correct me on that or bring us right up to speed. Aaron McNicholas, a Bloomberg journalist in Hong Kong, is on the line. Aaron, thank you for taking our call again.
1: Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you?
3: I'm good. Uh, on those figures, any update or is that how it still stands from a Chinese perspective?
1: That is the, indeed the official number that we are getting, and that is up to date, as you said, 170 deaths and over 8,000 infections. Um, it is important to point out that we are still in what the experts would call the incubation period, meaning that in the last 14 days or so, there may be people infected that are showing no symptoms and that may not yet know that they've been infected. So the governments of this region have only in the last, maybe in the start of this week or late last week, started to implement their control measures. Um, But there's still a period of maybe a week to 10 days where the people that may have been infected during the initial outbreak will start to develop some symptoms. And it's only then that we'll really get a sense of how far this has spread. So there's a lot that we still don't know. But for now, yes, the figures are 170 fatalities and over 8,000 confirmed infections.
3: Flights are still happening where you are in Hong Kong, in and out of China, and obviously from Hong Kong to the rest of the world. But on this side, we hear yesterday British Airways have stopped flying from London. Other carriers are as well. What's the situation? Is is the uh, major airlines uh, shunning China at this point in time?
1: Um, as you said, uh, British Airways are having their own uh, policies and uh, so on. And um, I also read recently that, uh, for example, Australian nationals coming out of uh, China on special charter flights arranged by consular officials, they're being sent to quarantine on Christmas Island, which is a uh, Pacific island about 1,200 miles away, 1,200 kilometres, I should say, away from the Australian mainland, and they have two weeks of forced quarantine to look forward to when they leave China. So that's obviously a more extreme example of the sort of measures that governments are taking. But it does show that uh, for the foreign nationals that are in China right now, um, some of their host countries might allow them to quarantine voluntarily, but others are taking a more strict approach here and are not taking any chances when it comes to um, how far this may spread. Because as I said, you may feel fine, you may feel healthy, But if you were anywhere near an infected person in the last two weeks, um, you may be carrying something and you simply don't know it yet. So some governments are certainly not taking any chances as they send their nationals home.
3: We hear Chinese football has been mothballed for the moment. What about other events? What about daily life and work? Are people going about their business and shopping? Are there severe restrictions?
1: Well, I can speak to Hong Kong at the moment where there have been at least 10, possibly 11 confirmed cases so far, all non-fatal. So that is a modest number compared to what we've been hearing in mainland China. But of course, Hong Kong people, because a lot of them have lived through the last major epidemic, which was the SARS epidemic in Mm. 2002, 2003. And they remember that if you're old enough and they are not taking any chances one big factor in daily life here in Hong Kong has been the supply of face masks. As you may see, um, the small surgical masks that people wear to pre- prevent the spread of um, infections. Um, these are things that people wear even under normal conditions to prevent the spread of colds and flus and things like that. Um, it, maybe your Irish listeners, it's not, it's hard to contemplate because we simply don't have the population density to justify the use of face masks. But here they are a commodity and this week they have been in short supply. Um, We've had uh, cases of people lining up at pharmacies um, in the small hours in the morning waiting for pharmacies to open so they can buy um, face masks before the shelves are completely clear of them. So the government here in Hong Kong is facing questions on how they're going to continue to maintain an adequate supply. Um, Hopefully in the the next week or so that situation will stabilize. Um, But for now, if you want to get face masks, you might have to shop around a little bit, and you might have to pay a higher price than you would expect to pay under normal times. So that is something that um, is certainly a change from uh, normal conditions here in Hong Kong.
3: Have you worn yourself,
1: Aaron? Oh, absolutely, yes. Um, I, I use the essentially you can you can buy um, more, I guess, protective ones that last for maybe uh, several days to a week. But the most basic surgical masks that are intended for single use. Um, generally you buy them in boxes of 30 or 50 and you wouldn't wear them for longer than a single day, for example. Mm. Um, So that's the most common... surgical masks that people will buy. And as I said, trying to find a box of those these these days has been not so easy. Uh, But hopefully in the next week or so, that situation will stabilize. Um, A lot of WhatsApp groups here, for example, among friends and family, are talking about strategies to get them sent in from other countries or regions. And um, like I said, hopefully the situation will come under control. But it has been a bit of a crazy week uh, this week for getting hands on those face masks.
3: What about the general sense? You know, it's ramping up over this side in Western Europe and, uh, of course, the world health body is meeting as we speak today, Aaron. We wait to see what their take is on it. Will they declare a global emergency? But being right next to it there, so close to it as well, is there a, a scare? Are people scared? Is there a fear in the general population?
1: There's certainly a fear. As I said, Hong Kong does have some experience with this, having been through the SARS epidemic. So people, I guess, feel a little more prepared. Well, not necessarily prepared, but more aware of what they can do as individuals um, to at least reduce their risk of getting infected. There's only so much that individuals can do. What I will say is that Hong Kong just recently, as you of course know, went through several months of anti-government protests. And the trust deficit in the government that developed over those months is still very much present. And now the local government here in Hong Kong are facing questions about the measures they have taken to stop the movement of people between Hong Kong and the Chinese mainland. So, for example, this week, actually, as a matter of fact, midnight on the 30th, which is about um, 12 hours ago local time, um, the government stopped rail links and ferry links from China into Hong Kong. Um, but they, crucially, they have not closed the land crossings. What they have done is they have stopped issuing tourist visas to individuals and to tour groups. But the big question is whether that's adequate enough, because visas that were already issued before today are still going to be valid and um, the land crossings that you can cross from the nearest uh, part of China, which is Shenzhen, into Hong Kong, those crossings are still open. So they have not completely close the border. They have taken some certain containment measures. And the big question this Hong Kong government is facing is whether that will be enough to stop potentially infected persons from China from coming into Hong Kong in the coming weeks and months.
3: And there is a race, of course, to develop a vaccine, and that's happening all over the world uh, at the moment. Uh, lots of people in labs and scientists and in the medical fields trying to uh, come up with this. But on the ground there, obviously, it's a big issue. And with the Chinese New Year celebrations um, started and it should be in full swing, has that been dampened down because of this?
1: Absolutely. And that, as I think I said to you last time we spoke, um, that creates a big problem in terms of how far this can spread. Because, of course, in Ch- over the Chinese New Year period, uh, millions of people will uh, travel from wherever they are based They will go to their home uh, city, hometown, whatever it may be, and spend the season with their families. So if you're a Chinese student studying in a foreign country or working in a foreign country or whatever the case may be, probably you went home to where your parents are, where you grew up, to spend the holidays with them. And now the big question is, um, are you going to go back and potentially bring back something with you, or are you going to stay where you are for the time being? So a lot of people... Uh, travel plans or plans for the future for the immediate future may have been disrupted by this uh and certainly just speaking for here here in hong kong the first working day was supposed to be wednesday yesterday um after that new year period but you definitely saw far fewer people on the streets now um and a lot of big companies here have announced work from home policies uh, for their employees to try and uh, uh stop the spread um any further so Daily life here certainly has slowed down. It hasn't ground to a complete halt. People, you can still find people on the streets, hopefully with their masks on, so it's not a complete um, ghost town, but certainly uh, daily life has slowed down quite a lot in the last few days.
3: Aaron, again, much appreciated. Thank you for joining me on the show and uh, stay safe yourself. That's Aaron McNicholas there, Bloomberg journalist, uh, talking to me from Hong Kong this afternoon. Gentle on my mind, the Kieran Rosney Show, TLT this Saturday. A pair of tickets going to Bernie Sherry from Reistown near RD. Uh, the answer was Cowboy. I was looking for a Well done to you Bernie. That's a lot on Late Lunch for this
2: Thursday afternoon. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We want you to Challenge us for the best deal on a new Renault or Dacia in 2020.
1: You can now inquire at BlackstoneMotors.ie. It's that time of the year. Your
0: vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax,
1: and think about
0: work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just
2: flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
4: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more.